God is on serious business this year. Very serious business. He's on serious business. He wants, he wants you to excel to a level that you've never been before. And this is not a year to be shrinking back. This is a year to be increasing. Hmm? In every way. Increasing. In every direction. This is a year to be increasing. Okay, get up. Stand up with me. I need to convince someone because you, you're not in the spirit. I can't start preaching like this. You know, I, I need you in the spirit. This is a year to be increasing. Are you with me? Yeah. God himself is going to say, sit up here, my son, to you. And he's going to show you off. Jesus said you are a city built on a hill. You are a light of this world. Are you with me? You sit on top of a hill. God is ready to show his goodness. Through you. Through you. Through you. Come on, say through me. God is going to show. Yeah, just there. Just there. Through you, God will show this year. Are you with me? Come on, begin to praise him. I want to thank God. I mean, thank you, Father, for this moment. Thank you for giving me this day. Thank you for giving me this season. This is a season for me to show off. This is a season for you to show off in me. This is a season for the light to burn brighter. This is a season for fire to burn brighter. In the name of Jesus. 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 This is the season for me to bend brighter. This is the season for me to rise up above every platform, to rise up above every limitation. In the name of Jesus, this is a season. And I thank you, Father. We thank you, Daddy. We give you glory. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Come on, pray in the spirit if you can. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. We are shining. We are shining. We are shining. We Jesus. Oh, Rasha, ta 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 ta
Mighty and everlasting Father, we worship as we stand in your presence. We bow to you alone, King of glory. Have your way of our lives. Have your way over our year. Have your way over our time. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your love that has brought us into a place where we now stand. On the right hand of the Father, favored by you. Brought into a time such as this. Where nothing even limits us. You've brought us into a time such as this. Where nothing would hinder us and successfully be so. You've brought us into a time such as this, where no weapon that is formed against us would prosper. You've brought us into a time. You've filled us with unquenchable fire of the Holy Ghost. You've filled us with an unquenchable love. You have filled us, Almighty Father, with strength beyond strength. You've filled us, Almighty God, with hope beyond hope. You've filled us with vision. And yes, we see. You've put in our mouths your power. The word that we speak, oh God, it creates even. We stand in a place of sons. A place, oh God, where when we decree and declare, it is done. For even mountains move when we speak, oh God. Oh, we thank you. We honor you. We honor you. Jesus, you who have shared this glory with us, we honor you. We worship at your feet. You who has cleansed us and brought us into this place as fitting heirs to the kingdom. We honor you. We take nothing lightly, oh God. But as we stand in this place, we stand with praises upon our lips, with gratitude in our hearts. Oh, and we anticipate your love and your hand, oh God, to manifest in every place, in every direction, to the glory of your name. Father, it is time, glorify your sons, that your name may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, shout a good amen. Shout a good amen. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Come on, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? This year, you take it by both homes, you know, like this. Uh-huh, you hear me? Ah! Uh. 
You see, if you think I'm just still talking, you, you're missing something. This is establishing your life. This is an open door for you. This is It's an open door for you. The God who dried the Red Sea, dried the Jordan again, just for the same people to cross twice. He's doing it for you. You will see your God in action. He's ready to announce his children. He's ready to announce his children. He's ready to announce his children. today and, and I'll be praying over your offerings. Amen. I'll be praying over them again today. Amen. <laughs> Make sure you keep an offering because be, we'll be praying and we'll be declaring some things over your year. Send something to represent you. Are you with me? I told you this last week. Amen. Amen. Woo! 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 <laughs> You're ready to manifest. Yes, sir. 2019, you're ready to manifest. Amen. 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 You are unlimitable. Amen. 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 Okay, let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Today I want to start talking about the same subject, manifesting as sons, but I want to talk about a topic I've entitled, The Oil of Sonship. The oil of sonship. I'll do this in two parts. I'll do it this week and I'll do it next week as well. So the oil of sonship. Everybody say the oil, the oil. of sonship. And it's my intention today to lay hands on as many people as we can. There's only a few of us who can do it in five minutes. And we'll, and, and we'll lay hands on you. We'll anoint you with some oil. Amen. Yeah. We'll anoint you for this year and God will do the rest. Amen. Yeah. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. As you are in Luke chapter 9, I'm not going to read the whole story, but I just want you to turn to verse 55. Luke chapter 9, and we're going to do verse 55, the oil of sonship. Luke chapter 9, verse 55. Are you there? That's me manifesting. I go, Woo, I'm manifesting. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Okay, I'm going to read verse 55. If you've got your NIV, you will feel a bit short-changed. Because your verse... 
This, your verse will be cut short. Verse 55, the Bible says in the King James Version, But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. Your NIV didn't say that, did it? The Amplified Version says, But he turned and rebuked them severely and censured them. He said, you do not know of what sort of spirit you are. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. Which one in particular? Well, all of them. But to understand that statement, we have to understand the full story. So it begins in verse 1. Of chapter 9. I've classed this chapter in, I've categorized it into, 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 into two categories. The first one is the great exposure. The second one, I'm calling it the great failure or the great failures. Because as you start to walk through chapter 9 of Luke, the first thing as it just opens up, you find Jesus is giving power and authority to the disciples. Are you there? So this is a great exposure. He's exposing them to something greater. The power of sonship. The power of the Holy Spirit. So he's giving them power. So it begins by saying Jesus calls the twelve together. And then he gives them power and authority over every disease. Over every unclean spirit. Are you with me? Amazing. And so from from verse 1 to verse 6 it says... The disciples actually took the power he gave them. They took the assignment and they went into the villages. And they preached the good news. And actually they come back reporting, Jesus, we have healed many and we have cast out demons. Hello? So when he gave them power, they received real power. It worked. Are you with me? Mm Mm-hmm. This power worked so much that when you read in verse 7, you begin to read that the power of God among the disciples disturbed even a king called Herod. He says Herod began to be so confused. He began to say, is this John the Baptist? Because I am the one who beheaded him. So what's going on that there are people that are healing the sick, they are preaching. What's really going on? I killed John the Baptist. Who is this fellow? Are you with me? Yeah, such, is, such is a manifestation of sons that we want to see this year. Then people will say, ah, but we've heard the stories about Jesus. But who are these people? Are, are you with me? Herod was messed up. He, he said, I killed John the Baptist. But what's going on? Who are these people? He actually began to seek to meet Jesus because of the disciples. Yes. There's something I'm talking about there. <laughs> you got it? Yes. Because of you, people are going to start seeking to meet Jesus. Yes. Just because they, the twelve received power and authority over demons and over every disease. And they went out preaching and healing the sick and delivering people. Herod, the king, decided, I need to meet this guy. The power of God 
is something you cannot question. Yes. Everything else can be questioned, right? But when the power of God moves, you cannot question it. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Huh? Amen. <laughs> I've heard prophets say you can question one plus one, but you cannot question two. Because two is the answer. Oh, you haven't heard that one. You can question one plus one, or you like. But when two happens, huh? it is the power of God. It's like in John chapter 9. The Pharisees tried to question the man that was born blind. They questioned him. You, how come you can see now? The guy says, ah, me, I don't know. I was blind. I met this man. Now I see. He's saying to them, you can question all you like. But this is the answer, this one. I can see. What can you say about that? <laughs> That's what God is going to use you for. Amen. When people ask you questions, you might even fail to answer some questions, but they will never question what God has done with you. Yes. You will say, I am a child of God. Can't you see? You stop convincing people all the time, you know, memorizing like the Jehovah's Witnesses do, you know. You are into a realm of power. Amen. Hmm? Amen. You are in a realm of power. Anything that questions you will answer to the power of God in you. Are you with me? So the disciples are exposed to this great power. They come back. They are rejoicing. What is the next thing that happens in that place? Then Jesus takes them on this crusade. And 5,000 plus people are following him. And he, he turns around and he says to them. I'm in the same chapter. This is the second thing that happens from verse 10. He turns around and he says to them, feed the people. But he knows they don't have money. He knows they don't have enough food to feed more than 5,000 people. He's, he's, you know, when they think they have seen enough power, he's about to challenge them to a greater height. You think you've seen enough, eh? Just because you're speaking tongues. Or just because you prayed and God heard you last year. You haven't seen anything yet. My God is vast than every planet on earth. Are you with me? Yeah. You haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. This is why Paul, after 30 years of ministry, said, I press on towards the goal. After 30 years of seeing miracles, signs, and wonders, he still said, I press on. This is why Moses would meet God face to face and say, I want to see your glory. The guy has seen the Red Sea open and close. Perhaps we forget the other miracle. <laughs> it opened and then closed. Two miracles. If you want, try, close one. It's still a miracle to close it. The guy has seen manna, bread, fall from heaven. I mean, he has performed crazy miracles. Moses, he has thrown his stick on the ground and it's turned into a serpent. He's picked it up, it's turned back into a stick. He has seen crazy miracles. But he knows there is more. When God says, what do you want? He says, I want your glory. 
There is more to you. Amen. You are vast than the oceans. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. So Jesus challenges the disciples. He says to them, hey, give the people bread. He's going to show them another dimension of his power, of his glory. Another dimension of sonship. They've just cast out demons, healed the sick. But he's about to show them something even more. He said, every time God asks you to do something, he's not looking at the ability you know you have. He's looking at the ability you don't know you have. So when he says to Noah, build an ark, he knows in Noah there is an ability to establish the first yacht on earth. Are you with me? Every time God says do something, he is looking at the ability you don't know you have. Because he's more interested in revealing that which he has hidden in you. What you know about you does not impress anything. Anything. What, what, you know, it doesn't reflect his glory as much as what he has hidden in you when he digs it out. Are you with me? So when he says feed them, the disciples are going, but you know we don't have money. You know we don't have food. This is a ridiculous question to ask us. But there is something they don't know they have. The same power that they could cast demons out with was able to provide. They didn't know. So he's trying to expand their understanding of sonship. Are you with me? Yeah. And so they say, what we have, we have five loaves, we have two fish. And he says, okay, let me demonstrate. It is better to demonstrate these things. He says, let me demonstrate to you what I mean when I say feed the people. Okay. <laughs> mm. Mm. I don't know whether you're seeing this. And they, he says, sit them down. And, and in some translation, he tells you he sits them down in the groups of 50 and 500s and all that. And the men, and they sit them down. They sit them down. And the Bible says he takes the five loaves, two fish, and begins to bless them. And when he blesses them, he gives them to the disciples to perform the same miracle themselves. So Peter takes bread, his portion, and begins to perform a miracle. The same hands that were laid on the sick now were now performing a miracle of provision. The miracle was happening right in their hands. Right in their hands. I know, maybe you've seen those movies they do about the Gospels of Luke. And maybe when Jesus prayed in the movie, the bread increased. No, that's not what is happening. What is happening is that as they are giving the bread out, the bread is not running out. How do we know that? Because we've seen this miracle before with Elisha. And with Elijah. When God does this thing that makes the oil not to run out. The oil. You can see it is this little. And it's not finishing. How can oil this much fill a bottle? But my father. (laughs) Is beyond this world. Literally. When you walk into sonship, you walk into something beyond the limitations of this world. I told you last week, you are unlimitable. Even what you have does not limit you. 
What you don't have either does not limit you. If you get that understanding, you will break all barriers of fear. Procrastination. You, 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 you won't let anything hold you back because you, you, you understand what is in your account or not in your account does not limit you. Amen. My goodness. No sickness limits you. Hello? It's not going to be an excuse anymore. There's not going to be an excuse. You're just going to go for it. You will know I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin, as the Bible puts it. But do you understand what that means? I am not a bound person, bound to any limitation of the enemy. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. No longer to be bound to any yoke of slavery. Hello? His spirit in us. Every bondage disappears by the power of the Holy Spirit. The oil of sonship. Are you with me? The oil of sonship sets you free. That's me manifesting. So five loaves, two fish, and it feeds 5,000. Great exposure. As if that's not enough. He sits them down in verse 18 and he asks them, who do people say I am? And Peter answers. In Luke's account, it's just direct. It's, 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 it's straightforward. It's more than what Matthew has given us who's got all this conversation. But in Luke's account, Peter just rightly gets this word of knowledge and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus knows, ah, it is working. You can accurately see in the spirit. Maybe you don't understand why Jesus was impressed with what Peter saw. It wasn't a guess. He saw it. Are you with me? Peter wasn't having a guess. Okay? If you look, if you read in Matthew, there's this conversation which takes place. And the conversation is this. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet. Uh, whatever. Some say you are this. Some say you And then he says, who do you say I am? And Peter just quickly jumps on. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him in Matthew. He says, the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. If it's not flesh and blood, then what? The spirit of God. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. (laughs) What the Lord has prepared for us. But by His Spirit, He has revealed His plans to those who love Him. By His Spirit. Peter was captured by the Holy Ghost. And he saw Jesus as the anointed Messiah, Lamb of God. And he declared it. Great moment of revelation. So they have seen power in casting out demons and healing the sick and preaching the gospel. Then they have seen power in great provision. Almost from nothing, they feed 5,000. And then they see 
the great revelation. The greatest revelation a human being can ever see is that Jesus is the Christ. You see, many of you have grown up hearing this. You haven't seen it yet. Because when you see that Jesus is the Christ, my God. You know what Christ means? The anointed one and his anointing. Not just the anointed one, but and his anointing. So when you see Jesus as the Christ, you see a man with fire in his eyes. You don't just see Jesus, you see him and his anointing. So you see Jesus like John saw him in the book of Revelation. He saw the anointed one and his anointing. You see, some people didn't see the anointed one and his anointing. They saw the anointed one, that's it. Or they saw just Jesus, even worse. But you've got to see the anointed one and his anointing. When you see his anointing, you begin to see his dimensions, his rooms, his levels. Huh? My God. And this year you're going to see Jesus and his anointing. Amen. <laughs> yeah? I want to see you and your anointing. No wonder Peter is the only one who saw him because Peter was the only one that knew how to challenge this anointing. He's the only one. Remember last week I was talking about the boat? And when Peter said, if you are the one, call me to come. That's a ridiculous question to ask. It's, it's a ridiculous request. If you are the one, come near so I may take. That's more logical. Makes sense. If you are the one, let me double check. Are you the one or not? Right? If somebody's knocking on your door and, and you're not sure, you say, ah, if you are the one, you ask them a certain question. Hey, what's the password, as my children would say? They just come up with a password anyhow. <laughs> they just sit on the stairs and you're trying to pass it. They go, what's the password? What's the password? You say, oh, I love you. Yes. <laughs> but this is not the way to get love in this house. <laughs> but they do it. But you understand? You, you do something. Peter doesn't say, what's the password? He says, if you, if you are the one, call me to come. What if he calls you and he's not the one? You need to put on a different mindset if you're going to function in this realm of power. Are you with me? Because definitely Peter is not thinking like that. He's not thinking about what if he says come and he's lying. I would die. In this realm of sonship, there are no what ifs. My God is good. Even when the enemy looks like he's coming from a surprising angle, it still turns into a right angle. Are you with me? It is God. Even when you feel like you're losing, and even when you find yourself in a, in, in a, in a detour somewhere because you, you took the wrong decision, and you begin to say, Father, like the prodigal son, you will rise from them pigs and you will be clothed in fine linen. Are you with me? Amen. He comes through. This is what drives the devil mad. Amen. 
Because sometimes he thinks he's got you. Yeah, I've got you. You are done for. I've got you. This is the worst mistake ever. And then you just make a mistake of saying, Father. <laughs> he just said, Father. Father, I love you. I'm still here. And within a second, everything flips on the devil. And he throws a storm. He throws a tantrum, they call it a tantrum. He throws a tantrum. And he goes to God and he says, this is why Job looks so great. Because you protect him. Because you hedge him around with your hedge of fire. Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> and he throws a tantrum and God says, okay, okay, okay. But you see. Even after the rage was removed, even after Job was touched left, right, and center by the devil, guess who wins? This game is rigged. You win all the time. <laughs> Have you read Revelation? You win. You know, later on this year, I'm going to do a series on the book of Revelation. Don't miss it. Because some of you are not very sure whether you win. It is written. It's finished. You win. It doesn't matter which way the wind blows you. You win. Yeah. It's rigged. Yeah. The devil can scream and fair and fair. I don't really care. Amen. I win. Amen. Hallelujah. As long as you are in Christ, you win. So Jesus shows them a crazy dimension of power. Now, as if that's not enough. Then he takes Peter, James, and John for a walk. And he says, let's go up the mountain. <laughs> and they get up the mountain. I've shown you three dimensions of power. Here's the fourth one. He brings them to this mountain. And when they're in the mountain, all of a sudden, they begin to see a cloud. They begin to see Jesus begin to shine. The same guy they came with. They begin to see the anointed one and his anointing manifesting. So his anointing begins to manifest on the mountain. The three of them, they begin to see Jesus transfigured. That's the theological word. For want of a better word. He was glorified. He was shining. Amazing. We walked with this man up this mountain. But he begins to shine. God is about to show know where we got this theology that we, we serve a God that loves to hide. My God doesn't love to hide. He hates it when we hide him. That's why with the children of Israel, he was never pleased every time they would hide him away. No, 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 no. You know when he said build the tabernacle, he said build it right in the center of the village. The entire village of Israel, the center of it was where the tabernacle was. When Moses went in, everybody saw him. God doesn't love to hide. He could have chosen to come in a wind they cannot see. He says, no, 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 we're going to be a pillar of fire by night. Why? Because everybody can see a pillar of fire at night. He says, during the day we're going to be the cloud. <laughs> you guys going to follow the cloud. My God doesn't love hiding. I don't know why we get this theological nonsense of hiding God in the name of humility. It is false humility. Yes, sir. 
My God. Everything Jesus went and he did it publicly. Healed the sick publicly. And even died publicly. He wasn't hiding. You see, he could have died secretly. But he wasn't going to hide. Even when he died for you. Public. Public. Every eye could see him dying on the cross. And you know when he rose again? This is another topic we're going to do later. We think it was a secret mission. He was, he rose and then he, and we all just end on the words that he said to Mary. Don't touch me yet because I haven't gone to my father. And we think Jesus was just hiding. No, the Bible says he showed himself in infallible proofs. To three people, to two people, to 12 people, to 500 people even at the mountain. For 40 days, 40 days, Jesus didn't rise and then disappear. 40 days, that's a month plus 10 days. He was showing himself. Anybody who cared to find out where is the risen Savior, he showed up. The two men were just going on the road to a mouse and they cared enough about the story. He shows up. His disciples are in the room, they are in fear. He, he shows up. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. My God loves. What's the millennials call? PDA. <laughs> Public display of affection. <laughs> Are you with me? You know what PDA is? Public display of affection. Hey, you only qualify if you're married. Come on. But do you understand? My God loves that public display of his love for you. So he shows up and Peter, James, and John are watching. And they're like, whoa, whoa, how? Hang on a second, that's Elijah. Huh? The prophets from the past are showing up on this mountain? Sounds like witchcraft. <laughs> But that's what happens when you don't know the dimensions of the Holy Spirit. God is showing them. There's so many things he's showing them. Elijah shows up. Moses shows up. Jesus is there. And Luke says he was having a conversation. I, I, I just want to hear what's going on. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, what are they talking about? Because this is a, as powerful as a delegation can be. a powerful meeting. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. But it's overwhelming. The disciples could not understand what's going on. They couldn't even hear what they were talking about. It is overwhelming them. And the Bible says the cloud came now and covered even the disciples. Peter overwhelmed. And he says something that he did. The Bible says he does. He said this because he was besides himself. He said, Lord, it is too beautiful here. Let's build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. What about you, Peter? What about you? You need four. <laughs> this is how overwhelming it was. He's, he says, I'm, I, I can watch this all day, all night. This is amazing. 
And he says, when he said that, the cloud even came. The glory just surrounded him and surrounded them. And then they heard a voice. And God says, this is my son. Listen to him. Now, you want to talk about dimensions of power? They heard God himself speak. Peter, James, and John have just gone from fishermen to people who could preach with power, cast out demons, and do all sorts of things. Then they have moved from that. They have become people who could feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Then they have become people who are companions of the Christ, confirmed. And then they have found themselves speaking to the Father himself. On the, on the mountain, God himself says to them, this is my son. He's talking not to Moses, thank you. He's not talking to Elijah. Elijah and Moses seem to already know. He's talking to Peter, James, and John. This is how wonderful Father God is. That you can be a human being, but he cares enough to speak to you. Oh. He didn't leave them out of that meeting. He says, I know there are powerhouses here. These people are getting terrified. Let me address them too. This is my son. You will do well to listen to him. Life changing. Life changing. This is glory like never seen before. As they are coming down the mountain, they are going, whoa, this is crazy. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh. Oh. But this is crazy. You see? You see the power of sonship? You see where God can take you, the levels he can take you into? But you see, and yet you're still human. There's three things in that chapter that begin to show you that these people, in spite of seeing all this, they are still human. The first mistake they make is that the first failure they, 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 they make, the first failure is that immediately after that, a man brings a young boy who's possessed with a demon and they fail to cast out the demon out of a boy. Not, a, not, not out of a man, out of a boy. They're just human. There's something not clicking there. Because if you go through the levels of glory they have seen, how are they failing to cast out the demon from a young boy? That's in verse 37. Another thing that baffles your mind is that after all those experiences, in verse 46, they begin to have a dispute among themselves. They begin to say, they begin to say who's the greatest among us. They are comparing their miracles and their experiences. They are very human. I'm sure they are actually saying, you know me when I went out there. I cast out big demons. It's, I can imagine how this has happened. Because there's, a young boy has been brought. They have tried to cast out. They have failed. Jesus has shown up. He has said, you of little faith. He's trying to say, I have shown you so many things and you still don't get it. He's trying to say, you should have cast out this thing. But you failed. Because you have little faith. That's what he's trying to say. So he says, you of little faith. He deals with the situation. And then they are left with a question. So what, does, what happens with human beings normally when they have just failed to do something? They begin to, 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 
to, to, to do therapy for themselves, okay? Psychological therapy. They begin to say, ah, but at least I won last year. <laughs> so John says, but at least I cast out 10 out of a woman in Samaria. And Peter says, no, 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 me, I cast out 21. When Jesus sent us. Yeah? And James says, it's just that Jesus says I shouldn't tell you about the mountain. <laughs> I'm greater. And so they begin to argue about who's great in their midst. Very human. Something is not clicking. There is something not clicking. Here's the third thing. <laughs> then they go to Samaria with Jesus. Jesus is just observing. Like these people, then something is not clicking. And he's trying to solve the problem. As they go to Samaria, Jesus says, go inside there. And, and prepare a way for me. He's going to Jerusalem. But, you know, prepare something for me. and know where we're we going to be hosted. As they go in there, the people of Samaria, they are enemies to the Jews, by the way. They reject it. They reject Jesus. They say, no, no, we don't want him here. Because the people of Samaria don't want him there. The disciples now, these ones who just failed to cast out a demon from a boy, they come up with this one. Lord! Lord, shall we go fire to consume these people? That's what they said. Hello? Hi. Guess who said it? Guess who said it? The ones that had been to the mountain. James and John. Lord, Shall we go fire to consume? You should have cast out that demon there. Hello? Hi. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Jesus now finally has enough. And he turns around and he says, You guys, you do not know of what spirit you are. He sums up their entire problem. I can show you a thousand and one dimensions of the power of sonship. But if you do not understand of what spirit you are, you cannot function here. The reason you fail to cast out the demon, the reason you are failing to live in peace among yourselves, the reason you are failing to understand what I'm doing over Samaria is because you do not know of what spirit you are. Are you with me? This is a year when God is ready to manifest sonship. With God, power is not an issue. With God, he's not economical with his power. Are you with me? He doesn't measure. The Bible says the spirit without what? Measure. That's what Jesus carries. If Jesus carries the spirit without measure, so do you. God is not economical with anything over your life. But he wants you to know the spirit to which you belong. When you know the spirit to which we belong, you will be free to function as a son. Those who do not know the spirit to which we belong, they bind themselves. They are sons but cannot function like sons. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hello. Very simple. The spirit to which we belong. Those, it means to a few things. 
the way of life to which you've been called, to which you belong. We're talking about starting 21 days of fasting tomorrow. And if you are coughing too much about that, you don't know the way of life to which you have been called. If, if you think that is something to negotiate too much, it's causing you sleepless nights to negotiate a lot. How? 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 You don't know the spirit to which you've been called. Quit before you hinder the manifestation of sonship that God has got in store for you. Hello? It also means you do not know the spirit or the mind of the Son of God. Jesus himself. He's rebuking them. He says, you don't know my mind. That's why you are asking me to call for fire over people I have come to die for. You don't know my mind. Hello? The Bible says we have received the mind of In a nutshell, it simply means you do not know the spirit of sonship. You don't know the Holy Spirit. You see, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, sonship is a fable. This, what I'm talking about, is, is, is just entertainment for you. This is all you will get, being in here and going and that's it. But that's not you. Amen. Hello? Amen. It shouldn't be you. This should turn you into an, a person who's hungry to say, I want to know the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to know the Spirit who makes sons. The Spirit of sonship. Are you with me? Amen. If this is the place that can hinder me, then I want to know the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last meaning. It means, in a natural sense, you are not aware or conscious of the Holy Spirit. You have not learned about the Holy Spirit. And therefore you cannot perceive the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Shall I repeat that? You are not aware <laughs> or conscious of the Holy Spirit. You have not learned about the Holy Spirit. Therefore you cannot perceive the Holy Spirit. It goes further. There's more meaning. It talks about it, you are, it also means you are not paying attention to the Holy Spirit. Jesus rebuked them. If you read in your translation, it says sternly. He rebuked, he rebuked them heavily. Listen. He, he rebuked them. He wasn't just correcting them. He rebuked them. It means he, he, he was unhappy. They were not paying attention to something. So he was very unhappy. When he turned around, he looked at them and he says, you do not pay attention to what I'm doing. That's why you're asking me such a question. He's not even answered them whether they should go fire or not. Has anybody <laughs> ever asked you a question that made you angry? And instead of answering their question, you actually address their foolishness? Has that happened to you? This is exactly what is happening here. They say, we can call fire. He doesn't go, no, we can't call fire. He turns around and he looks at them and he says, you don't pay attention. Don't you? And, and, and he wasn't happy. 
happy with the way they handled that. But perhaps because he has exposed them to so much. Mm. And they still not get it. <laughs> I'm going to finish. What's this message saying to you? God has brought us into his family where our status has changed. Our authority has changed. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. But if you do not know the spirit to which we belong, you will be ineffective. This is the one. You will say, oh, this was just me at all. So what is our cry? We want to know the Holy Spirit. Mm. We want to know the spirit of sonship. Mm. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, I'm finishing now. The Bible says, The spirit you received does not make you slave, slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So he's trying to say, this is the spirit we should know, the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, we have become children of God. How do we know? Because by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. How do we know Him? And I'm going to finish. How do we know Him? Here's your task this week. You're going to learn this. How did Peter go from the guy that was being rebuked in Luke chapter 9, 55, to the guy that was explaining the Holy Spirit to everyone in Acts chapter 2. How does he go? How does he... Are you with me? The same person Jesus was saying to, one of the people Jesus was saying to, you do not know the spirit to which you belong. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they started speaking tongues and all that, Peter stood up and began to explain to more than 3,000 people about the Holy Spirit. Right. How did he go from a guy who didn't know to a guy who now explains? Right. And that's what we're going to be doing in the next 21 days of prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. This is what he did. He was seeking to know the Holy Spirit. Hello? In the next 21 days of prayer and fasting, what we're going to do is to seek to know him. Are you with me? Are you with me? That should bring a smile to your face. You're going to seek to know him. What you know of him for this season is not enough. You've got to know more of him. I told you the season has shifted. The demand on your life is to respond to the shift in the season. Yeah. And how are you going to do that? You're going to have landed on. And this will sustain me for the rest of this year. From glory to glory. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? This is what happened to Peter. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1. After Jesus went and he said to them, you guys go wait. In Jerusalem, they went into a room. There's some things I want to show you. Amen. Shall I? Yes. Okay. My time is up. But shall I? Yes. There's something I want to show you. 
It, let, let, let me show you some things. That's how we're going to seek the Holy Spirit. It's very important. I'm not going to miss that. Acts chapter 1. Let me quickly show you these things. Acts chapter 1. Mm. Mm. This is the clue of how we seek to know the Holy Spirit. The spirit of sonship. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12, verse 12. Mm, 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 mm. These are beautiful truths I'm giving you. These are greater truths I'm telling you. He says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James. You remember those? Yeah. And Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together. Oh. Now you see what they were doing. Yeah. They joined together constantly in prayer. Amen. Along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus. And with his brothers. You see what they were doing? Yeah. If you're going to be part of this, this year. Here's what you're going to learn to do. Number one, join. <laughs> Did you see what Peter did? Joined together with James and John and Bartholomew and Andrew and Philip. Oh, everyone. The women. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Even Jesus' brothers. Peter just like, I- I'm still going to join. You see what's the difference? If you're going to go off on your own and you begin to think Without being in what we're doing corporately. You see, that nowadays there's this, this, this thinking, okay? This very, it comes from, 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 from society. It doesn't come from the Word of God. It, it's the current society that is so individualistic. It is just based on me, me. Okay, what can God do for me? Me and me, me. And, and because of that, we, we, have, we, we, we think there is no power in corporate. Prayer and the corporate approach. Because because in our understanding, we've misinterpreted the scripture. God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, We we think God does not value meeting together like this. He says, I can meet God alone in my house. That is a statement from a person with shallow understanding. Yes, you can meet God alone in your house. But where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in their midst. If you read your Bible, the greatest manifestations of God are corporate. Can I show you something? Because God values his body. Jesus says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Them. Hello? God values the corporate body. That's why Jesus Sent the Holy Spirit. Not on Peter alone. A hundred and twenty people in the upper room. Fire fail. Not one person. I, I, I want you to understand. So listen. Learn to join together with the, with the saints. Are you with me? 
Join in the prayers. Join with the saints. Hello? Learn to join in the direction that the church is taking, even also in this city. Learn to be part of the city as a person, a child of God. Hello? You see, one thing we don't want to be is a church in a little corner of hole, all by ourselves, scratching ourselves, <coughs> rejoicing only to ourselves, eating only our birthday cakes. It's awesome, but it's not that great. What we want to be is part of what God is doing in this city. If God is blessing the church in this city, guess what? Me too. Hello? Peter joined. But when he joined, it was not just for fellowship with human beings, as we were learning a few Saturdays ago. Most of the fellowship we have as Christians is just with one another. No wonder we end up fighting. And backbiting. <laughs> All those things we don't do in this church. But you see, no wonder people end up doing those things. Because they're just having fellowship with one another. The Holy Ghost is not in the place. We learned a few weeks ago that the Holy Spirit is the master of fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of, and the, oh, come on to you, for the Bible doesn't say sweet fellowship. <laughs> Why are you, those, those are Nigerian scriptures. <laughs> the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we'll put it in there for yourself. <laughs> but do you understand? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is the expert at fellowship. If you leave him out, there's not going to be good fellowship. So what's going to happen? You're going to soon backbite one another. You're going to soon hate one another. You're going to soon just, just, just mess each other up. I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older now, right? I've been in so many clubs in my life. And I've never seen a club where there was no fighting, okay? Huh? Okay, by club, I don't mean like you teenagers of today. Push, 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 push. I mean like school clubs. Are <laughs> uh, you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean the dancing and nonsense. No, I don't do that, you know? I'm not looking at anyone when I'm saying that. You know? <laughs> but I've joined so many associations. And in every association, there's always been one that will fight the other. As a matter of fact, this morning I was at my son's football team. And two parents started fighting. Yeah, right next to me. And somebody came to me after and said, Phil, why didn't you break up the fight? I said, me? <laughs> You've got to be big to break up the fight. <laughs> I was shocked. I was really shocked. I'm talking to somebody next time. They're fighting. I'm thinking, you are fighting. I just couldn't understand. Two grown men fighting because 11-year-olds are playing football. <laughs> the kids are shocked. Everything stops. <laughs> and then when we came to the end of the story, the problem was nothing really. 
It was just nothing. Somebody felt like somebody had said something about their son, but they didn't actually say it. <laughs> Fellowship with one another. <laughs> it is not that great. Fellowship with one another is not that great. If fellowship with the Holy Spirit <coughs> makes fellowship with one another a great thing. Amen. Because that is fellowship with the Father. You're going to join and you're going to learn to pray. That's how we create fellowship by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> pray. You see, have you ever been with people that you've argued with and you've had an argument, maybe in a family, you've really argued and I'm going to finish him off when I see him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy him. I'm, you know, I, I, and then somebody with some wisdom with the Holy Spirit comes along and says to you, okay, let's meet up and let's talk. Guys, let's talk. And as soon as you sit down with you, I'm going to finish him, I'm going to finish you. And you sit down and the person with some wisdom says, let us pray. <laughs> and now you are the one finished <laughs> because fellowship with the Holy Ghost just changes the whole thing yeah. I mean I've been in meetings perhaps you have been in family meetings before where you thought my God I don't know what's going to happen today all I know is make sure you're wearing a jeans good belt on you because <laughs> you don't know what's really going to happen and you get to that meeting and the Holy Spirit moves and you come back ha 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 Love you, love you. You've cried. You've hugged. When the Holy Spirit moves in, makes fellowship happen. Oneness. That's what fellowship means. Communion with the Father. Are you with me? And we're going to make that accessible by joining together in prayer. That's what Peter did. The last thing. We hear it in verse 15. Peter stood up and began to say, guys, it is written in Psalms. It says we should replace Judas. A life in the word. It shows you what these people were doing. You see, when Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem, they understood it this way. Let's go seek this promise. Do you get me? Most of us will just not understand it that way. We would understand it like, oh, Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem. So... Did he say which street? Did, you know, did he say, Jesus, Jesus, am I okay to go back fishing? Because he said, go wait in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter, yeah? I, I, I can go wait whilst I'm doing this. And oh, They didn't understand it this way. They understood this, that promise, go wait, tarry. They understood it like this. Let's go and begin to seek this promise. When we speak over you to say, to this year... God will manifest you. I thought somebody else was preaching as well. God will manifest you. You take your family and decide this year we're going to see this promise. Are you with me? <laughs> somebody said to me, why do you make prophetic declarations at the beginning of the year? It never works. <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, really? If you... You are the one that doesn't work. Hello? Everybody's making forecasts. It, it, whose report are you going to fall under? Because the Reserve Bank governor just has issued their forecast. Are you going to fall prey to that one? The politicians are issuing their forecasts. So, so you, you're just going to let everybody just speak over your life. 
pound is gonna fall, your pound in your pocket will fall too. What's your problem? House prices are gonna go down in your house, you will lose value. Is that what you want? So why don't you want a prophetic declaration? What's wrong with you? <laughs> this year, because of the word of God, you will remain in perfect peace. Amen. Because there's a word over your life. Amen. They can prophesy. The economists can stand up and prophesy. The weatherman can stand up and prophesy. But whose report do you believe? Hallelujah. Amen. So we're going to seek God together. Stand and we're going to finish. We're going to seek God together. Two things only. Two things. Three things maybe. Joining together. Praying and applying the word of God. Three things. Joining together. I take you to Hebrews 10. Do not forsake this. Huh? There will be convenient reasons as to why you should forsake this. <laughs> That's why it says do not forsake the meeting together. Because there will be reasons as to why you should forsake this. Are you with me? The enemy will manufacture and generate enough reasons for you to think you're tired, for you to think you can't do this, for you to think it's pointless to be in church anyway. He will manufacture and generate enough reasons. He will convince you you're not perfect, you're not changing, nothing is happening to you anyway. And you will like, okay, all he's trying to do, let me preempt it up, he's trying to cause you to forsake this. Because he knows when you gather together and begin to join yourself to praying people and people that apply the word of God, he will lose you that fast. There is power when the believers get together. Some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible are those ones. It says, and then they raise their voice together. And then the believers gather together. Because every time that sentence comes, say something about to happen. When the believers raise their voice, my God answers. Are you with me? They that call upon the name of the Lord, when they lift their voice. So this year, you make a decision. I'm going to be joined to the house of God. Non-negotiable. You make another decision. I'm going to be joined in prayer. And I'm going to be joined in applying the word of God. Those three things will make you find the Holy Spirit you're looking for. Huh? Those three things are what made Acts chapter 2 happen. Because the Bible says after 10 days, just 10 days, just 10 days of decision making, 10 days of them deciding we're going to be here and seek the promise. 10 days. After 10 days, the Bible says, and on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And when you looked like this, you saw tongues like fire resting on each head and when you open your ears you help them begin to prophesy in tongues just after 10 days 
of making that decision. I don't know what he's going to do after 10 days. I don't know what's going to happen after 21 days. I don't know what's going to happen after 40 days. I don't know what's going to happen after 60 days. I don't know what you're going to look like after 365 days of joining yourself in prayer and in applying the word of God to what God is doing over here. But one thing I know is your life will not be the same. That's one thing I know. Publicly and privately, your life will not be the same. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Okay, children, you've come back. Sit where you are. Be where you are. And we're just going to finish. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to take you in the communion. We're going to pray. And I'm going to take you in the communion. Your life will not be the same. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says... In Isaiah 44, <coughs> verse 3. I will pour water on a dry and thirsty land. Do you get it? I will pour water on a dry and thirsty land. Let me read it for you. So I want to end this service on there. Isaiah 44. And that's you. You're going to learn to thirst for God. Isaiah 44, 3. The Bible says, For I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by the flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's. And will take the name Israel. What is God saying? If you become thirsty for me. I will pour my spirit on you. And I will change your generations. That's what he's saying. And I want you to take that as a prophetic word over your family. Over your children. As we go into this prayer and fasting. If you come thirsty and hungry for me. I will pour out my spirit upon you and I will change your generations. Your generations. I will change everything that is coming out of you. I will change it. Ladies and gentlemen, these next 21 days are very strong days. That as we cry to God in our hunger for him, as we pray the prayers that we will post and go hungry before God, your generations are going to be changed. 
I don't know whether you understand generations. That means not just your children. Everything that comes out of you. Everything. Everything. Your generations changed. Some of us are going to be instituting permanent change to things around our family. Some of us are going to swim upstream and go and affect even our parents. Some of us are, are you with me? Generations. You're going to change things around you as you cry for the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. According to that scripture, come on, say with me. Say, Father in heaven. Glorify your sons so we may glorify you in the earth. According to Isaiah 44, pour now your spirit upon this thirsty soul. We hunger and thirst for you. Fill us, Lord. Not just us. Our families and their families to every generation. Change our pain, change our lack, and our inadequacy into abundant grace. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Now just begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord.